Welcome back to the Live, Learn, and Play podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Brockman. Usually on this podcast, we like to talk about the people, places, and programs at Arkansas Children's, but given the current climate and what's going on in our world, we are talking today about COVID-19. And today I am chatting with Dr. Rebecca Cantu. She is a uh, doctor here at Arkansas Children's and has a unique perspective about what is happening. So we wanted to get her thoughts and share them with you today. So welcome, Dr. Cantu. Thank you. So I'd like to start at the beginning. Um, what or where did COVID-19 and coronavirus, I'll refer to, to it as COVID-19, and we'll talk about where that difference happened in a minute, but where did this come from, and what are some of the myths that are out, in an, out there in popular media that you would like to address? Coronaviruses are a large family of viruses. Some of them cause illness in people, some only infect animals. What we're seeing now is called a novel coronavirus, meaning one that has evolved and can now infect humans. So it's new to us. There are two other similar viruses. One is the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS, and then there's also SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. So this novel coronavirus was first detected in China. It looks like the first infections may have been linked to open air animal markets, um, but it's now infecting from person to person. And I think what helped me personally, not being on the medical side, is when I first talked to you about this, you said, we see, we being the medical uh, team, see coronavirus all the time. Yes, there are four human coronaviruses that cause illness in humans. Typically, they're mild illnesses like the common cold. And then, as we mentioned, there's now three novel human coronaviruses, MERS, SARS, and this one, which is called SARS-CoV-2. Okay, so maybe just digging a little deeper, what is COVID-19 and the other strains that you just mentioned? So there's a little bit of terminology we can clarify. Coronaviruses, again, are the large family of multiple different strains of viruses that can cause these illnesses, both in humans and animals. This new one, which initially was called novel coronavirus, kind of in the media, is now being called SARS coronavirus 2. It's very similar to the SARS virus that we saw come out a few years ago. So that's why it's the second one. And then COVID-19 stands for coronavirus disease, which is started in 2019, hence COVID-19. So SARS-CoV-2 is the virus and the disease is COVID-19. Excellent. I did not know until now what the 19 stood for. So thank you for that clarification. I think that's very helpful to know. I think it's also helpful to know, and our audience would, would like to know, how is this virus transmitted? So it's a respiratory virus, so it's transmitted by close contact, which usually means being within about six feet of a patient with COVID-19 for a prolonged period of time, or if you have contact with the secretions from a person who has COVID-19. So that includes sputum, um, respiratory droplets from coughing or sneezing, and things like that. I think there might be some confusion. How, when they say contact with someone else, could you could give us an example of what co- type of contact it would take to get this type of virus from someone else. Sure. And I will say, too, that this is all very new to the medical field. People are working very hard, and there's new research coming out every day. So we're learning more and more as we go. But there's a lot we still don't know about this virus. But what it looks like is if you're in close contact, for example, if you're a doctor or a nurse with um, without protective gear and you see a patient who's coughing and sneezing within a few feet from your face, then that's close contact that may put you at risk for catching the virus. So if you hear that your neighbor's best friend's cousin might have it, that is not considered contact. Right. If you have not been in close within a few feet of that person or taking care of them as they're expelling respiratory droplets from coughing or sneezing, then you should not be at risk from that person. Okay. 
that is that is also very helpful to know. What makes COVID-19 so contagious? COVID-19 and the virus that causes it seems to spread pretty easily and have what we call community spread, meaning it can spread from person to person. So in addition to just being coughed or sneezed on, these droplets that contain the viral particles can also land on surfaces like a desk or a tabletop or a doorknob or a phone. If you touch one of those objects with the virus on it and then touch your eyes or nose or mouth, you can also spread the virus to yourself that way. That's why you hear us really encouraging good hand hygiene. So we have heard again in the media that it's more harmful for the elderly and immune compromised people. So I want to hear your why that is. And then so there, so there seems to be this demographic of people where it they feel like it's not going to impact them. So why is it more harmful for the elderly and immune compromised? And what message do you have for people in the demographic that, that aren't in that demographic that feel like they're, that they're not susceptible? I think that is a really important point to make. We are definitely seeing from the data that we've gotten from China and places like Italy, which are going through large outbreaks right now, and we're relying on their data to help us predict what might happen here in the United States, that certainly older people are at much higher risk for hospitalization and having serious illness and even dying from COVID-19. However, every age group is susceptible to getting the virus and indeed can and does get it. Fortunately for children and young adults, they seem to be less likely to be hospitalized and have a mild illness. But an important point there is that even if your child gets COVID-19 and is not very sick, they could very easily spread it to someone who is at much higher risk for dying, such as a grandparent. Okay. So that leads us to talk about prevention. Um, In central Arkansas, there's been school closings and different areas or different um, businesses have been closing. So when we're talking about prevention, it seems that the social distancing has become a popular topic, but how does that help with the prevention of COVID-19 exactly? Yes, we have, I think, all been impacted by social distancing, closure of schools and businesses, libraries, all kinds of things are closing down in the interest of slowing down the spread of COVID-19. So it's really important, and this goes back to your previous question, young, healthy people may feel like they're not at risk for getting severely ill from COVID. And that may be true. Again, we don't always know. But they are what we call a vector. So they are someone who can spread it to other people and spread it far and wide. So social distancing is really important because if it is spread from being within close contact of people, we don't want to have too much close contact. So that's why schools are closing. Schools are full of kids with runny noses who don't really wash their hands that well. So Closing down schools and large gatherings are a way to kind of stop that spread and try to prevent it. We talked a little bit about um, flattening the curve, and you may have seen that on other social media, meaning other countries have seen a very fast, high spike, meaning a lot of people get ill from this disease all at the same time. And there simply aren't enough hospital beds and equipment to take care of that many people at once. We know this will continue to spread because it's an infectious illness. But if we can do what's called flatten the curve and have not as many people get it at once, have it sort of spread out so if some people get ill and get better, then some people get ill and get better, then our hospitals, our doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists can better handle that flow into the hospital and the healthcare system. So right now, and I know we mentioned which demographics it is impacting, healthy children do not seem to be one of those um, groups of people, but what are we doing at Arkansas Children's, because we still have a lot of staff, thousands of staff members, what are we doing to keep our staff and our families and our current patients safe? So there are new visitor restrictions in place at Arkansas Children's Hospital. 
We understand that these can be frustrating and upsetting for some of our families of our patients, but again, to reinforce that this is so important to help prevent the spread of this illness. We do take care of a lot of children here who are premature infants. They have heart and lung disease. They have immune compromise. And those people, even though they might be kids, are still at very high risk for getting severe illness from COVID-19. In addition, our staff are not children, and we are at high risk. We are a limited supply. If all the doctors get sick, there's no one there to help take care of the patients. We are also seeing some limitations in testing supplies and personal protective equipment like masks and gowns that are very important for us to help keep ourselves safe and keep the patients safe. We are working very hard to ensure that all the doctors, nurses, and healthcare personnel have the supplies and equipment that they need to help take care of our patients. So most families had plans for spring break. Those plans have obviously changed. What... um, I guess, what advice do you have for for parents who have had to totally scrap their travel plans or maybe they're thinking of still traveling? What would you say to them in light of what we're going through right now? I would recommend still following our social distancing guidelines. I am one of those families who has had to cancel our spring break plans. And I agree, it's a bummer. Kids are excited. We were all excited to get out of town for a while, but it's just a little too risky right now. Part of the social distancing is being a responsible citizen and helping to protect other people. So that means not taking unnecessary flights, not traveling unnecessarily. So we're really recommending limiting your exposure and your traveling to other places. Additionally, kids are also a really important part of social distancing. We talked a little bit about how they don't get as sick as older adults, but they still do get this illness. So some of the data we're just getting out from China show that about half of the kids with COVID-19 had a mild respiratory illness. Another 39 to 40% had a moderate respiratory illness. Only about 6% had a severe or critical illness, and that's compared to about 19% in adults. So fewer kids are getting severely ill, but they can still be symptomatic from COVID-19. Even if they're asymptomatic, they can still help to spread the virus around to those who are at higher risk. So keeping your kids home as hard as it may be during spring break, don't send them to camps. We're encouraging eating at home. You can still help support your local businesses and get takeout or carry out. Um, Don't do big play dates. Just try to stay away from crowded places because that's where the virus will really spread quickly. Excellent. Well, Dr. Cantu, we appreciate your time and insight into COVID-19 and the information that you shared that will be beneficial for our families. So thank you. Thank you.